to another episode of Previously on Lost. This is episode number 39, recorded here sometime in November, but by the time you hear this episode, happy holidays from all of us, and uh, we hope your Christmas season is wonderful and joyful, because no doubt you will probably get this the Thursday before Christmas week, or the week of Christmas week. So, happy holidays from all of us here at uh, Previously on Lost, and um it's hard to believe that we're recording this one month away from Christmas Eve. So in case you didn't catch that, guys, it is November 24th right now we're recording this episode. And we are excited to talk about um, – well, most of us are probably excited to talk about this episode because apparently one of us didn't like this episode a ton. And we'll let you find out who that is uh, when we get into the episode. But I am Mike, and I am joined by two other uh, co-hosts, and I have with me Corey. How the heck are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. You just uh, got me thinking about all of my uh, Christmas lost memories. I'm pretty sure that I um, got a couple of the DVD collections of Lost for Christmas on a couple years. And, you know, what, what a better way to spend your time if it's raining outside and you don't have anything to do like me if you were in high school you had no homework to do over christmas break then just binge lost so um freak yeah they they go well together but uh uh the short answer is i am doing well uh how are you mike i am doing well myself and uh somebody else we have over there sitting in a recliner I'm talking like reclining <laughs> on the job is Mr. Steven. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, I just finished reading some Dostoevsky and some Hemingway and uh, <laughs> well, had to had to wake up for my nap. And now I'm ready for to for some lost. Are you ready to run with the bulls? <laughs> I am. <Run> with the bulls. <laughs> Y'all, it's a great episode. <laughs> All right, with that being said, <laughs> we don't really have many different show announcements or anything like that, so let's go ahead and just jump right in. Um, we are on days 58 and 59. Now, the way this is kind of split up, um, this is technically day 58 and 59 of the show, I mean, um, of the uh, the Losties on the island, but the flashbacks are going to take place back from season one so keep that in mind we'll get into that here later but before we get to that let's look what happened previously on lost rousseau recalls how the others took alex one week after she was born claire is attacked in the caves and frantically tells jack that someone was trying to hurt her unborn baby hurley (laughs) tells jack that one of the members of the beach camp wasn't in the plane manifest charlie and claire are confronted by ethan in a jungle and are subsequently shown to have been taken by him Claire returns to the camp, but has no memory of what happened to her while she was gone. Henry Gale is then captured by Rousseau in a net. Saeed is shown interrogating Henry in the army of the Swan, while Jack and Locke debate whether or not the prisoner is telling the truth. 
you know, you read that, and I in my mind I went to uh, Henry Gale and Rousseau got caught in a net together. <laughs> which, <laughs> <laughs> got caught in a net together. Which wow. we know has a different connotation. It's uh, one of those lost innuendos. Uh, <laughs> and flash forward to uh, many seasons later, Ben and Rousseau actually have in the Flash Sideways universe a seemingly flirtatious uh, relationship in that uh, whatever afterlife world. But <laughs> afterlife, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, I, I thought about that a little bit uh, while watching this up. It's you think you see Rousseau, Rousseau, and she's always like so. Um, you know, just dirty and dilapidated, but uh, you know, that's, there's that one episode where you actually see her in normal clothing. <laughs> Wait a minute, normal now, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, a little segue there, but uh, back to this episode. This is season two, episode 15. It aired March 1st, 2006. Uh, it was directed by Jack Bender. It was written by Don uh, Lamberston Kelly and Matt Ragianti. Uh, and the summary is as follows here. When Claire suspects Aaron might be sick, she sets out on a mission to find a vaccine to help him. And on the way begins to unravel the mysteries of her past memories, memories whilst kidnapped by Ethan on the island. Unlike in most other episodes, the flashback sequences take place on the island. So, if if this baby had a had 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 a fever, should not have been quarantined. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just they, I'm just saying. You know, they mentioned quarantine a few times in here, and I mean, the, all of these words have such a different meaning now that we actually know what a quarantine is like. <laughs> right. If I find a hatch with a with the word quarantine written on the door, I am not leaving that hatch based on what we know from 2020. I, I don't know. You know, I think a lot of people today could watch Desmond in the hatch and be like, oh, man, he's got the dream set up there. That's what I would have wanted in 2020. You've got the right. gym in there. You've got a ping pong table. You could, you know, flip it up to play by yourself. You got Dostoevsky. I can't even say it. Uh, you've got plenty of books. Uh, yeah, you got to press a button every 108 minutes. But yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's I, a lack of luxury. I saw a meme today that said, you know, back in the day, they used to make fun of people who wanted to live in a van down by the river. Now that seems pretty dreamy right now in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, heroic, one might say. So. <laughs> All right, we got some episode facts. Um, the flashbacks in this events in this episode occur in the days between the real-time events of Raised by Another and the end of Special. This episode uses a different flashback noise rather than the trademark noise. It is similar to the alarm heard when Claire escaped the staff. Tanya Raymond was originally credited as Young Girl, to keep viewers from knowing that Alex would be introduced. All right. Interesting. Uh, again, because we had mentioned the flashbacks occurred during season one. Um, it just amazed me that they waited so long to get to to get to those flashbacks, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> but somebody on here didn't like the episode very much. So with that being said, let's talk a little bit about the episode. 
All right, who wants to go first? Because we really can't say, do you want to talk about what happened off the island first? Because nothing happened off the island that we know <laughs> That's of. That's right. Well, this this is apparently the second episode in the series that uh, that didn't have any actual flashbacks. It all took place on the island mm-hmm. um, after the other 48 days. So this is only the second one. Okay. Um. All right, so we're, really we had what two we we had we had we had two storylines this entire episode. We had we had the the storyline of Jack Locke and Henry and Echo, of course, and then we had the storyline of um, Claire and Kate running after to find the vaccine for the baby. We, we won't really consider the flashbacks a separate because they're kind of like they're kind of are the same story with Claire and Kate. Um, but we could talk about it in that. So which timeline would y'all like to talk about first? You want to talk about the, the Hatch timeline with Henry and all them? I don't know, man. I t- one is a lot more interesting than the other. So, okay. Well, but, yeah, let's well, talk about the present use- time. Okay. So which one do you use more interesting? Oh, obviously the present time on the island. The flashback is, I I really don't like this flashback. The the flashback, all right. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Is freaking hot garbage dumped in a dumpster, lit on fire, sends smoking down the river. All right. I hate this flashback. If there's any flashback <laughs> in the entire show that I absolutely hate the most. It legitimately is maternity leave. When I knew this episode was coming, I like crap. I I'll just say I don't like this episode mainly because of the flashback. I think it's a waste of my freaking time. I really do. I hate it that much. Yeah, I, I don't know why. if I hate it that much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to say that I, I'm curious on that because I, I did not have that impression of it. So, um, what in particular, was there anything in particular about it that it was unnecessary? You, so str- it you was weren't un- in. You weren't interested in what happened to Claire when she was gone? no, no. I, I honestly, I had, I had, I had no idea because okay, the whole the whole precursor to this thing is stupid to me. Okay, so as somebody who who has kids as well, I understand when your kid is sick, you want to get medication, you want to get something to take care of this kid. Okay, I get it. The doctor comes says, hey, it's probably. You know, rubella, or it's probably this because you know we're on an island. It, it it can happen. There's a lot of different things that could go wrong in here. He just like he just got a fever and a rash. Kids get those all the time. It happens. Okay, but yeah, she has this mythical quest that she's got to go off and remember what happened because Ethan took her and doesn't know what he did to her or the baby. And I'm sitting there thinking, it's just I just I don't I think. If their whole point was to in, was just to tell us why Claire or what happened to Claire and to sh- introduce a whole new Dharma station, I think they could have cut out the entire flashback and done that a different way. I just didn't yeah. think there was any need for it, personally. I actually agree with you in, in most of that. I, I actually think you could have cut out a lot of this flashback. And you wouldn't have missed anything. In fact, it may have been more interesting when they actually get there and discover it if you didn't have right. all this flashback beforehand. 
I do think there's some pieces of value in this flashback, but the thing that I always ask, um, and I always kind of felt about this episode is, is this too long after the season one's uh, story, the episode that pertains to this? Because we cared about this. I mean, you're talking about um, December, uh, November, December. I think we were talking about um, when, when uh, it would have been 2000. What did I just say? It's 2006 here. So we're talking about November, December, 2004. And then we're going to get the follow-up on what actually happened more than a year later, March 1st, 2006. Do people care about this anymore? I mean, I yes, you kind of – yeah, it's good to have mysteries answered. But it's so far beyond we've, – we've completely gotten over uh, Claire's um, um, what, what, amnesia and all that stuff. Yeah. And now to bring it back. So I do think that it's good that – they did kind of answer what happened. I don't know if it needed this type of flashback or if she could have just figured it out. And we have like, you know, some of these little things jolted together. There's a couple flashbacks that I, that I think are, are entertaining. Like it gets be- like the second half, like this episode is like a tale of two halves for me. Like the first half, not very good. The second half there's, I think is, is good and entertaining. Okay. I can give you that. I, I really can, you know, I don't mind like for example, I I I like the reveal of like the fake beard and the theatrical glue and all that kind of stuff. I think that was that was perfectly fine. I think that would have been interesting enough without showing Mr. Friendly Tom again. Because I think people would have been able to put, you know, people are smart to put two and two together. So we've seen this guy twice now, once on a boat and once in the woods. And here's a theatrical beard that looks like Mr. Friendly's. Okay, I wonder if they're connected. Like, let the people figure that out. Like, you didn't have to see him. You didn't have to see Ethan talking to Claire inside this room that they made just for her and the baby with the picture. I, I just, I think, I do agree. I think the second half was better. But to me, it didn't really help much. But it, it, it did drop some clues that I was okay with. Yeah, the little clues are great. Steven, were you going to say something? Well, I was going to say, I I see what you're saying about how we, you know, the audience could have put that together without seeing um, Tom again. But I think that the scene where we did see him was actually really interesting. I mean, as a viewer, I remember him talking about him and how mad he would be that that Ethan went rogue and and brought Claire in. To me, just that little conversation between Tom and Ethan was a, you know, was a pretty good addition to the story. I felt because it, it's one of those things that you know made your mind race and figure out, you know, who who is him? Who are we talking about? Knowing, I mean, I don't know. Based on what we know, we if we can assume it was Ben that was the him he was referring to, and while we're dealing with that same character in the same episode, not knowing it. I thought that I thought that was a, a good part of the the flashback. See, what's interesting is this episode is supposed to be about Claire and her story, but a lot of the and it, we're, we're learning about what happened to her when she was gone for two weeks. But the more interesting stuff de- is definitely not about Claire. It's about the connections, and you know maybe this is me watching watching it, having seen the whole series too. 
the connections here between the others and Ethan and Tom, who I don't think we do we even know his name yet. Um, but but you know, Mr. Friendly and um, you know, some of these, you know, maybe it's foreshadowing, but you have Ben, you know, Henry Gale featured a lot in this episode, and Rousseau. We know that there's a history um there. And Alex makes her first appearance. So there's some, you know, all these parallels that are kind of interesting in this episode. But the actual story of Claire and Ethan, like I, I cringe during a lot of this. And, you know, I don't fault uh, Emily DeRaven here uh, in her performance. But, oh, my gosh, it's so painful to watch. This I, I just I hate this sedated Claire. It's it's so weird that she is just like loopy the whole episode um, in the flashback. And I, mean, I, I get to like to some degree that she doesn't necessarily know what's going on, but it's just she's so um, seemingly unable to like make normal decisions that she loses like any agency. So like we have no reason to root for her. We don't really care during these scenes. Cause she's like, Oh, she's just agreeing with everything Ethan says. So, and I felt, I feel like that way. I feel that more about the beginning half of the episode, you know, later in the episode when there's like the rescue going on, that's more interesting to me. That's a little more compelling. Well, I, th- I think that this episode is supposed to be, unsettling i mean from the the station with the flickering lights and the the things that ethan is doing are are truly heinous things um you know getting claire to basically drugging her so she will you know let them take her baby and then as we find out at the end they they weren't just gonna take the baby after it was born, they were going to kill Claire to, to get it. I mean, it's really kind of horror movie stuff here behind the, this friendly, you know, seemingly friendly face of Ethan, you know, do it, you know, really manipulating this drugged up Claire. It it's, it's troubling stuff that's happening in this episode. Definitely. And I, I appreciate some of the, mystery actually there's a lot of interesting mystery elements in this episode and some of that stuff and there's some very spooky things definitely the scene when she's when alex is helping her out and they peek down the hallway and they see like you know five or six doctors prepping that room and there's like you know uh just it looks so menacing and uh yeah it definitely feels like a horror movie like they're just gonna kill her or whatever take the baby so my, my question about that scene is, is Juliet there? Do we know if she's there or not? Is that something that's ever answered? Um, I don't, I don't think it was ever answered, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Of course, we didn't know there was a Juliet now, but it probably wouldn't surprise me um, if she she's was the, there. She's the maternity doctor. Right. I wonder if there is a subtle reference in one of her uh, flashbacks, like to the fact that she's not there or something. I want to say that she had kind of screwed up and, you know, that she'd screwed up, but a lot of the births, um, you know, people kept dying and that she kind of refused to do any more at a certain point. But I don't remember. I want to say she's not there, but 
Well, uh, if if Alex was telling the truth that they were actually going to cut the baby out of her, from everything we saw about Juliet, it, that doesn't seem like something Juliet would have been on board with. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I guess I just I figured even though she may not agree with what was going on, maybe she was there simply because of the fact to keep an eye on Claire to make sure nothing happened. So maybe she could she may not agree with it, but she she was there just to make sure nothing went, you know, awry. That's why, I mean, that, that, that's what I would think. Yes. Okay. So I have a question also um, about the flashback. What's with the, the airplanes, the oceanic airplanes in the, the, the mobile, what do you call that? The mobile? Yeah. Yeah. That was something that definitely stuck out to me too, because we, we have previously seen a mobile like that with oceanic airplanes in Claire's dream. I don't know what we call it. Nightmare in the episode rate. I believe it was raised by another before she gets kidnapped and she's already having dreams about this mobile. And then we see this mobile in this room. I, I, I think this may fall into an unanswered question um category but i don't think we ever really figured out what was going on with this mobile but obviously it's the oceanic airplanes it doesn't seem like that's something that you could just go buy in a store you know for the the others yeah there's definitely some weird things where they're really kind of screwing with her or or whatever it is but yeah, I, I, there's some elements of this, you know, like Stevens pointed out some some things where there's some interesting answers we get, interesting stories. But I, I again think this is ep- this episode is like just so um, long removed from, um, you know, when this when Claire disappeared that it loses some of its steam. And to me, I, I also think about uh, what Kate did. And I think I might have brought this up during that episode, too. The same thing with what Kate did loses a little bit of steam by, you know, we're curious about that, like in episode two or three of of the show. And then they wait, you know, another 20 episodes to answer it. But um, overall, like as long as you get the answer, I guess it doesn't matter that much. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I for one definitely wanted the answer. I, I, I definitely see what you're saying about it was when we got the answer was kind of weird, but I think, I think we needed to get these answers of what happened. But yeah, the timing of it is, is, you know, kind of awkward. It it was definitely kind of out of nowhere that we got these answers. So, and and speaking of like some of the answers, one of the things that I definitely hone in on is, is Rousseau. And like, this is kind of, they frame this, I mean, there's other little mysteries and hints about the others and other things going on, but kind of the main um, question of the episode, uh, as soon as Rousseau shows up uh, early on, is, you know, basically Claire, she's seen her scar, and I think uh, she had had said, you know, why did I scratch you, I think in the, the season one finale. And so the accusation is that that Rousseau is, excuse me, is involved, was involved in her capture to some degree. 
And then it takes Claire all episode. And it's kind of like the climax when she remembers that it, that actually Rousseau helped her. And, you know, Rousseau says, you know, I carried you through the jungle on my back. So it's it's a good it's a nice moment for Rousseau. I think that is one of the underestimated parts of this episode. But my question is, was that like I can't really tell now, having seen this episode so many times, was that just obvious at the like throughout the episode that Rousseau wasn't was actually um, helping her because I, I I don't think it was obvious, but I think they were little seeds that were planted until when it finally clicked with Claire and I, Oh, wait a minute, you were trying to help me. And, and Claire didn't understand that yet. Um, but I think it was, yeah. I, I, well, based on Claire's previous experiences with Rousseau, I mean, it makes perfect sense why she would not assume that, that Rousseau was trying to help her. Uh, so I, I think it is a nice kind of twist to find out that, that Rousseau is actually the one who, you know, helped her escape and brought her back. Now, saying that, after she did that, she then kidnapped the baby to go trade for her own. So I'm not sure how, you know, ultimately on her side Rousseau is. But in this moment, Rousseau definitely, um, this, you're right, this was a good moment for Rousseau. Well, Rousseau's motivation for helping Claire was not just to be nice so that Claire would remember everything, but her motivation was because she thought she mentioned she mentioned a teenage girl was there. You know, Rousseau's mindset was there's only one teenage girl that I know of on this island. That's my daughter. So that was her whole motivation for going was not to help Claire, but she was she was hoping that her daughter would be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anything else then? I mean, I'm glad we got introduced to a new Dharma station that, if I remember correctly, we will never see again. <laughs> no, we, no, they go back here in uh, DOC. They go back here to check uh, Sun's uh, uh, conception date. That's right. I don't remember which Dharma station I'm thinking of that we never see again. Like we see like one time. Oh, uh, um, uh, is it the Pearl? Where um, is 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 that? I can't remember. The arrow. The arrow. Thank you. That's what it is. Okay. For some reason, I think of the Pearl. But yeah, the 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 arrows one we'll never we never see again after. Yeah, the, the, the one where they found the Bible, where the tailies were chilling. Yeah, which seems yeah. to me that looks like be a pretty cool little set station to keep checking out. But you know, that's me. This is oh. the this is the station for the the girl power episodes. <laughs> the girl power ep- Wow. I mean, that's just I'm just being honest. Like when when you have all uh you know of um the right female right when you have Claire life. and Kate and then you have Sun and Juliet and and um people are going around yeah so both yeah both episodes when they go here it's a it's just a team up of the uh, the ladies. And which is a nice uh, change of pace. And it's nice seeing Kate, uh, you know, she's kind of like the leader of the group as far as like protecting Claire. And yeah, I guess we could just go into this, uh, this, this group here a little bit. Kate basically kind of, I don't know if she's forced into this, but Claire is, is um, hell bent on, on finding this vaccine or whatever. And and Kate 
goes to Sawyer to get a gun, which is kind of a funny scene. That, that is a funny scene. <laughs> I was literally just about to bring that up too. And, and she she said she gives one of her <laughs> just ridiculous Kate speeches. I'm going to get the gun from you, and you're not allowed to ask why. And then, you know, Sawyer's like, hey, well, watch this. Why? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that's but, funny. But I would say I think this is a pretty good moment for Sawyer because once he, you know, once he finds out why, he definitely gives her a gun, seemingly no questions asked. You know, he, he kind of starts off in his normal kind of, you know, flirtatious jerk way. But then when he realizes, oh, wow, okay, um, I'm not going to mess with you here. You can have the gun. Be safe kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got a question about this mystery gun, by the way. Okay. Oh. So obviously we know she got a pistol. Okay. Now here's my question. If Sawyer gives her the gun or gives her a gun, how does he go get the guns without Kate or somebody else following him? Or knowing where Sawyer hid the guns at this moment? Does he say like, okay, Kate, put your hands over your eyes, turn around, don't, don't, don't look. I mean, how is well, he, how, how is he getting well, this, this gun? I, I think he has a couple he keeps with him. I think that's the answer. He has two or three that he keeps in his tent. Uh, uh, I mean, the rifle and, and uh, nine mil. Well, uh, you know, we don't get the answer in the episode. They don't really address it, but we know where he is storing the gun. So the answer is pretty obvious that he, you know, went back into his tent and I'm sure he probably, you know, just told her he had one in there, not telling her he had all of them in there. Oh, um, come on though. I mean, that's a hustler trying to hustle another hustler. I mean, true, yeah. she if he comes out and says, hey, Kate, listen, this is the only gun that I have in here. Bull <laughs> crap. I'm going to wait till he is gone. And if I was Kate, I would bolt into that tent <laughs> and see if he's lying or not. Like, oh, that's right. Because he does have them. He does. He did move them into the tent, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's sleeping over them. That's right. So, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I, I anyways, she it's thinks not that part of, it doesn't do anything for the episode. I just thought I'd kind of throw that. It's an interesting question. Right so, okay. Uh, well, one other little one thing I do like about this whole team up, though, is I really enjoy how Kate has taken on the protective role of Claire. I that Kate and Claire is is really one of the pivotal relationships in the whole show. I mean, it spans. You know, ultimately, it's the reason Kate comes back to the island. Um, you know, obviously, she gave birth. She helped Claire give birth to Aaron, ends up raising Aaron. So even back here, we see her really being protective of Claire all season. You know, she was right there when Charlie was coming to try to talk to Claire, you know, trying to keep him out of the tent and, uh, you know, keep Claire settled there. So I, I really enjoy Kate protecting claire and aaron um I, I think this is obviously one of the great episodes for that okay yeah i actually got a little sad watching part of this episode because you think about especially the end where where claire you know has now remembered um all of her time seemingly she has remembered her all of her time with ethan 
and um, her, you know, indecision to keep or not to keep Aaron. And, you know, again, you know, she had done that before, even on the flight, um, before the flight. And and then again here, though she was heavily drugged, that's what influenced a lot of the decision making. Anyways, she's crying and saying, like, I need you. You need me. I'm never going to leave. You know, and it's it's a very touching moment. And you can't help but think about how they do eventually get separated. And she is without Aaron for three years. And yeah. I, I don't know. Is there a little bit of foreshadowing here of like the crazy Claire? <laughs> um, I mean, when you watch this episode one of the big takeaways is the discussion of the infection and that, you know, the disease or whatever. And Claire gets, you know, infected by the, the smoke monster and she becomes kind of psychotic, you know, and, uh, by the time we get to season six. And so, and, and then she's heavily drugged in this episode and, and manipulated. And she eventually is really, uh, manipulated by, the man in black. So, I mean, there's, it's probably not, uh, anything that's been foreseen, but it, it does actually seem to work as, as some, uh, foreshadowing of what, what is going to happen to her. Did yeah. you guys pick up on that at all? I mean, maybe, maybe they found a way to liquefy the man in black and, and when, um, Ethan was injecting Claire. He was really injecting the man in black into Claire. And that's how he. he (laughs) Now, now Locke, we know where Locke is now. He can't be liquefied. Locke's down in the hatch. Right. So the man in black is in the hatch. We know that. That's how he gets into the hatch. We get that. But, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I could start to see a little bit of the craziness coming out in Claire um, in, in this in this episode. I always laugh at the scene when um, when she um, when she's grabbing Rousseau right before she remembers that she scratched Rousseau's arm, and the 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 audio in her lips seem off. Um, when she's yelling at Rousseau in the station, I don't, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but like the last time she yells and then when she realizes, oh crap, you're really helping me like right there, she's shaking Rousseau. It's like, I don't know her audio or something sounds off or it just sounded like her lips are moving. And then she went into like an audio recording studio and recorded her, her, her mouth. (laughs) Yeah. They they probably did ADR. Right. It, it it seemed it always makes me laugh because it seemed really awkward. I did so, not notice that. I did. You know, they actually they probably do that a lot more than we notice on Lost. You know, just a show. And I know that scene wasn't was that scene outdoors, but um, any a lot of scenes filmed outdoors, they they have to no, do. That, that okay, yeah, indoors. you're talking about the indoor one, but. Just in general, I bet they had to do a lot of that on Lost because it's, oh yeah, you know the weather screws up the audio all the time. All right, so is there anything else about um, anything else about this part of the story before we kind of move on to to another issue in the episode? Well, I I thought that the scene when 
Kate pulls her pulls the gun on Rousseau, um, and Rousseau basically walks right up to the gun and says, "Please, please do it." Mm. Um, thought that was a strong, you know, that was a emotional scene. I, it's one that kind of stuck with me that it didn't make sense to me why she would feel that way if she thought like she was on a mission to try to find her daughter. Obviously, she didn't. But at the point when she told Kate, go ahead and shoot, uh, I mean, I think it's meant to show that basically Rousseau doesn't fear death, you know, which is a good, you know, which is a good thing to show about the character. But if she really thought that there was a chance she could find her daughter there, I can't, I, it, to me that those two things didn't quite add up, but I, I still yeah. thought it was a good scene. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I also think Rousseau, really she is is kind of beyond um hoping and she doesn't have any hope really is what i'm trying to say she's still going to try to make contact with her daughter but after 16 years she really has given up um hope uh in the for the most part um but i have to say as much as i disliked a lot of this episode anytime we get Rousseau involved. I'm, I'm happy. I, I mean, I always, I feel like I cherish uh, the Rousseau moments because she is a really important character to early, the early part of the, this, this series. And she kind of gets, um, you know, um, worked out of the show where she's no longer important. And then she meet, meets an un, untimely end um, rather unceremoniously. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad to have, you know, episode that features her throughout um, most of the episode. And I think there are some interesting lines from her that really stood out. Uh, her talking about how the child is infected, all that stuff sounds crazy and wacko at first. And then the more that Claire believes it. And then once you see, you know, the all the stuff that... Um, Ethan is giving Claire in the flashback. And I think later uh, Claire actually does get these shots. I think Desmond has them and gives them to her at the end of the season. But knowing what we know in season six, when the finally we learn a little bit more about the infection and all that stuff, like the line of the episode by far is when uh, Rousseau is about to leave and they just had this like loving kind of like, reuniting moment there there there's a, a moment of unity and uh rousseau just says yeah well remember if your child is infected you know you got to do what you got to do she basically saying, <laughs> yeah she's in fact if uh your boy's infected she gotta gotta take care of him uh <laughs> it's pretty dark yeah Seems like oh. that's always that's always Rousseau's solution. It's you gotta you gotta kill him, gotta take him out. Oh my goodness, Rousseau! Oh my goodness. <laughs> and and oh. don't I feel like we don't get a whole lot of infection stuff. Like this is um, really gonna go on the back burner for much of the series uh, after this episode, but. Uh, it's always interesting when Rousseau uh, warns the, the the characters in the audience in this chilling fashion, <laughs> yeah, about her experiences. 
Well, that's all I got on Rousseau. That that's that's fine. I, I say we go ahead and move on with some more storyline. Um, we're about, about forty minutes into this podcast already. <laughs> We've only talked about Claire. <laughs> oh, so let's maternity leave to a different part of the island here. Let's talk a little bit about um, Echo and Henry and Jack and Locke um, in this little uh, scene. Um, I appreciated Echo's confession to Henry and the cutting of the beard. I part of the episode that really saves this for me um, that I really like is it's really like the last <laughs> minute and a half of the episode <laughs> when when Locke's in there talking with Henry and and then he pretty much says, "Why do you why do you let him you know?" treat you like that it just kind of sticks this little seed in his mind he's like what when we, we, we both make the shots he's and then henry says yep yeah, right you're right you're right right sorry my 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 mistake but of course Locke can't let it go and i mean Locke goes out there and Locke just goes into a rage fit and it's almost as if like henry's on the other side like yeah and so it begins i love the scenes well bit you know Ben is the ultimate manipulator, or Henry, Henry at, mm-hmm. at this time, you know, is the ultimate manipulator. And as we learn throughout the entire series, Locke is easily manipulated. Um, it's kind of one of his main character traits. So it just took Ben a little while to figure out who he could manipulate, and he he has definitely figured out his mark, and it is Locke. And he he does it masterfully. Um, I think one of the funniest, the, one of the few funny parts of this episode is when they were arguing earlier, and then Henry screams from in the room, "You, you could just let me go." <laughs> yeah, I didn't re- I didn't remember that part before, which is hilarious. It's, it's funny. <laughs> you can just let me go. <laughs> but it also gives you important information, which is that basically he can hear everything they're saying. So then when Locke does have that tantrum at the end, we know that Ben can hear it and mm-hmm. Locke should know that Ben can hear it. Like you would think Locke wouldn't have such an, you would, you would think Locke wouldn't want to let him know he was getting to him so much. I, I guess at the moment he's just in a rage and he's not thinking about it. But, um, and then we see on Ben's face, you know, there's, there's a lack of surprise, you know, Ben hardly has a reaction to it. So you can tell that he's getting the reaction he expected from, yeah, from and, Locke. And they deliberately have a shot that is not a close up. It's, it's like a medium or it's, it's pulled back a little bit. So you, you don't get his eyes and it's a profile. So we don't get like this evil smile, which is what I think a lot of people would be tempted to show, um, right, but they they show like you're describing a more subtle, just almost no reaction. So it leaves us in in doubt, wondering, you know, who the heck is this guy? Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with Locke right now. He is he's losing track of who he really is. He's spending way too much time inside playing computer games. He needs to get out there and throw his knives around if he wants to take out anger. You know, toss a few hunting knives into a boar or a tree at least. Uh, don't break all the dishes. I'm sure they don't have that many dishes. So, uh, I've always, I was always embarrassed for Locke in this in this moment. But it's it's a great 
uh, cliffhanger. It's a gr- great way to end the episode. I think I mentioned before uh, earlier in the season, like Lost really starts to hit its groove on the endings. And this yes. is like one of them. I think I can't remember the ending of the next episode, the the Sun and Jin episode, but I know after that one, at least, I think the rest of the season has like amazing cliffhanger endings where you're just like, dang it, I got to watch the next one now. Um, and which eventually, you know, the whole series is like that. But uh, this this is one of those great endings that uh, yeah, it doesn't really have anything to do with the, the Claire story, but it's great. And yeah, uh, Michael Emerson gives has a has some really good, um, you know, moments in this episode. His performance is is, you know, always fantastic, but great. Some some of his reactions uh, when Mr. Echo is doing his confession, some of those are actually really funny too. <laughs> yep. this, like, his eye, just with his eyes like opening, and you know, at first he's really trying to play up the like I'm a victim, like here's my story, and he quickly realizes, oh, this guy doesn't care about that. He's <laughs> this is going a different direction. <laughs> then the, the look on his face when Echo uses that giant knife to just cut the two little things off his uh, beard. <laughs> so good. He's like, all right, okay, thank you for the present. Thank you for uh, listening. I appreciate it. Now, my question is, is, you know, Echo says, I'm just doing this because uh, I need to tell someone. Or I always kind of thought, it's because to a certain degree echo thinks of henry as an other he's like you know he was part of the group of those two guys he killed or he's somehow related um i mean obviously he is but because he's not one of the survivors he's more likely you know he's closer to them than anyone else so yeah, part of it to me, it's like he's apologizing and bringing, you know, airing this out because he kind of thinks that Henry it could be one of them. But uh, it's not clear. He he seems he's definitely much gentler with with uh, Ben than anyone else so far. But I think, and and I think this is kind of like the first episode that um, you really start to question Henry's story. Like you really, anybody who's watched this knows that, that of course the first few episodes when they catch him, you have no idea if this guy's telling the truth or if he's telling, you know, if he's telling a lie or not, you can't really, you can't really judge because you, you just don't know, you know, his story's so believable, but the moment I knew, okay, something's up with this cat is when he asked Locke, why do you let him do that? And then he says, well, I don't want to do everything. And then as soon as he says, Oh, okay. Uh, my, my mistake must be my mistake. As soon as that happened, like something clicked in my head when I was first watching the show. My the wheels are turning. I'm like, okay, something's off with this guy. Something's not right. He's hiding something. That's when it started for me. I don't know about you guys, but I could see the personality change in him at that moment. Yeah, so, I think I think the the talk he has with Locke. Is what, yeah, I think that's what you're saying when he says, I don't, I don't get why the, you let the doctor call the shots. Like that was the moment where 
you start to think, yeah, is this this guy? What is he doing here? Is he re- trying to pull the strings of this whole situation? Um, these moments were really good throughout the episode. They they helped to break up some of the Claire storyline, and and now I'm just thinking out loud here. When he asks for uh, Stephen King <laughs> uh, books instead, I thought that was kind of a funny uh, line there, and it also makes me think of how the trip down into the the other hatch, like we said, is kind of like a horror movie esque setting with the the flickering lights and the weird uh, hospital equipment and abandoned stuff. So it kind of all fits together um, in a bizarre way. Two different storylines. Uh, with interesting parallels, and like the last one, we get all this, this, these, uh, we get all this FaceTime with Ben, and then we get this FaceTime with Alex. And I'm curious, was there any decision at all close to this uh, girl is his daughter? I, I would doubt that they had that worked out yet at all. I don't, I don't think that's really worked out till season three. So, but it, it's funny seeing that because we know that. Alex is basically eventually she becomes like the most important part of the Ben Linus story. Redemption for her, for her death. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know any, anything else about like Locke or Jack that we want to talk about. Um, I and mean, we get, we get a moment with Libby in this episode, which is kind of nice. I kind of like this scene where Libby and Claire going through the memories. It's, it's good to just see, I like that, you know, we get Echo, Libby and Echo involved. Well, I think kind of one interesting part about the Echo part of the story was how, you know, basically he figured out with very little evidence, you know, that they were holding someone down in the hatch. You know, Locke and Jack were, were so worried about each other and, you know, keeping people from finding out. And all it took was... Mr. Echo walking in once looking for a saw and he f- already figured out that they were keeping someone down there. So I love the little, the water cooler scene where Mr. Echo comes to, uh, to Jack and says he wants to talk to him alone and he, you don't get to ask why, and you're going to let me do it because you want to keep it a secret. So a little bit of Mr. Echo blackmail, which you got to appreciate. Yeah, it's always good to do blackmail before a confession. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what do you expect from a from a from a drug lord slash priest? <laughs> you got you got to you got to hit both sides. <laughs> yeah. Um, Any other notes on on Echo's uh, speech here about killing killing the others? I think I, mean, I think most people. Um, especially at the time of season two would be like, yeah, these, these others, these people are horrible. They're stealing kids and people in the middle of the night. Like that's self-defense. Yeah. Go ahead and, and kill them. But, you know, flash forward to, you know, years later, there's, there's a lot more gray involved in the others than just being, you know, the, the ultimate enemy. So, um, I mean, Echo, when you think about it, Echo does, he does have a good point. He's like, yeah, I didn't, we never spoke a word to each other. I didn't know these men and I just, you know, I killed them. You know, it, it's in self-defense, in my opinion. It's totally, you know, he's, he's trying to, they may have killed him. So, 
but he obviously still feels a lot of remorse for it. Yeah. Well, when Mr. Echo, his farewell episode, you know, when he's being judged by the smoke monster and he says, you know, I, I don't regret any of my actions. You know, I did what I had to do to survive. I, you know, basically showed no remorse, uh, you know, because he, he did what he had to do. And, you know, here we're seeing him, obviously he killed those men because they were there to kidnap him and, you know, half of his fellow survivors. And he does feel some remorse, you know, enough remorse to, you know, remain silent for 40 days. So uh, to, and it's kind of two sides. It may just, it may be the, the Catholic in him, you know, being raised to go to confession. I mean, I, I think that's what it comes down to is he feels like he needs to go to confession, but ultimately, I mean, it doesn't seem like he should, he should feel bad for doing what he did to, you know, the people who were kidnapping him. No, but, uh, you know, he still feels remorse because I'm sure it's, uh, it's heavy to kill, <laughs> to kill anyone. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, for some reason, I just, uh, had a, a thought about, uh, Morgan from the, the walking dead. Remember when he goes, on that little uh, arc for a while there where he won't kill anybody. or <laughs> Yeah, that didn't last long. <laughs> it didn't last very long at all. <laughs> then he goes full clear mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it was interesting, but I think he needed that confession before we get to where he's going to be at um, when, when when Locke eventually kills him or the Man of Black eventually kills him. Um, <laughs> yeah, the thing is, though, I, I will say you, you guys both uh, referenced that his his end. Um, you know, I don't I kind of look at Echo in like two different um, ways. Like I look at him in season two and then that m- this very small portion he's in season three. To me, I it's almost an aberration because. They just had to end the 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 actor wanted off and they had just had to write him off all of a sudden. So I don't really feel like that is like the fulfillment of this story by any means. Um, I think it's just more a left turn that, you know, the smoke monster, you know, decided to uh, to teach him a lesson, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I just yeah, I, I really hated that we lost this character. I think there was a lot left. Um, in his story that um, he could have told, and we didn't get that, and mm-hmm. and 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 I do hate that, I really do. So, all right, gentlemen, what else we got before we kind of wrap up uh, maternity leave here? I I don't know, not much from me. You know, I, did Ethan. It's weird seeing him. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> He's so weird in this episode. This is this is one little thing that jumped out at me that I I couldn't figure out. When Ethan gives Claire the drink from the canteen, the Dharma canteen, mm-hmm. and Cl- and Claire says, you know, oh, it's really sour. And you know, he said he didn't notice. What do we think was going on there? Like. I was wondering that too. Because I because I I'm at a loss here. I don't know if. If the water was 
part of how he was, you know, drugging her. Like, what was going on with that? Vodka, COVID vaccine. Um, <laughs> let's see where do we want. No, <laughs> I, just, I just think it was some kind of medicine. Yeah, to me, it felt like we should have got an answer. That you know, there should have been if they put that in there, there should have been a reason they put that in there. And or or because she had been on meds anyways and sedation and that kind of thing. Um, perhaps things just tasted unique to her at the moment. It could have just been yeah, a side effect. Yeah, that that was my thought. Is that for some reason that it was a side effect of some of the drugs she's on? But I also found it very weird. It, it like really stood out to me because I didn't remember that from before. And it's it's odd how it's just kind of in the middle of that that scene, and it's uh, you know. It, it's it's placed there for a reason. You're right. And there's not really an answer. I'm trying to look at And I was like, ah, maybe I should look that up. I'm like, what am I going to Google? It tastes sour, <laughs> maternity leave loss. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I tried to pull it up on Lostpedia. They basically, they don't really say, but they just say Claire is obviously wobbling um as a result of drugs and then she gets a canteen and it tastes extremely sour so i think it's i think this is just to kind of double down to remind us like she's on drugs and this is not how she normally acts and uh the yeah that that line is i guess meant to draw uh, attention to that okay or maybe or maybe Ethan just really loves uh, grapefruit juice. <laughs> this is really sour. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> I'm a big fan of them great, great grapefruits, girl. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's good so, stuff. So, all right. Well, if there's nothing else, uh, let's go ahead, I guess, and start moving toward the end here. Um, as far as the in memoriam goes, um, the only thing that I could find um, were the brain cells that died in my mind while watching this episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what about uh, Echo's uh, little beard tufts? Echo, <laughs> and, yeah. and Echo's little little beard nubs um, <laughs> that were lost in this episode. So, oh, sorry for we that. We may have lost. We may have lost a couple of dishes at the end. When... Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, many wow. dishes. <laughs> We're going so bad. We lost here. temper tantrum. Uh, Claire's <laughs> brain cells from all the sedation she was under, and all the drugs that that poor girl was on. Um, you know, this is a great before Christmas episode. We're talking. I just so everybody knows this is great. Uh, <laughs> so let's do it. Let's go uh, fifteen uh, or sixteen seconds. Then on your overall thoughts of this episode. Um, Steven, uh, what are your overall thoughts on this episode? Overall, I, I kind of like this episode. Um, I I was interested in learning what happened to Claire that time she was gone. I'm glad we got the answers, even if it was, you know, it was kind of weird timing to get the answers. I, I thought it was a good story. Um, I, I thought the flashbacks, the on-island flashbacks had a, definite creepy kind of weird vibe to them that, that I thought was interesting. I think my biggest complaint with this episode was probably just the, the whole having Libby 
be a psychiatrist to bring back her her memories. I don't know if that part of it worked for me, but I think her remembering things when she when she saw the uh, the stump in the in the jungle made a lot more sense. Yeah. All right. What about you? Uh, what about you, Corey? Um, this one's a hard one. So I always think that I'm really I remember this episode and think that I really don't like it. And then I start watching it. And uh, like I said, I think the second half is a lot better. There's parts of this episode that are really entertaining. I actually watched this a couple of weeks ago. I just kept watching whatever previous episode we did. And I watched it, and then I watched it again today. And so, like, I enjoy this episode enough uh, that I, I, I definitely don't get bored by it. And it, it picks up once Rousseau and Kate and uh, Claire are out in the jungle, you know, wandering about. I think it's it's pretty entertaining. I do like the interesting, like, weird horror element, like, going down into the hatch. And, like, a, a random, like, personal, like, favorite, um, like, I don't know, a moment or just like a little Easter egg. I always thought the finding the costumes and the, the glue, the beard glue and the beard, like, like that is a cool moment that um, is one of those things that, that will uh, like be a important like piece in uh, the other history and lost puzzle for a long time. It's kind of a funny little or a fun little uh, note there. So this episode's hit or miss for me, but there are some good uh, moments that are uh, that help move the story along well. Okay. Well, um, you know this is this episode was absolutely one of my uh, favorite episodes on my never want to watch again lost list. <laughs> um, no, it it you know it, it it I do agree with you. It had some good elements. I did enjoy the theatrical beard. I enjoyed seeing the new Dharma station. Um, I enjoyed the the Henry and the whole um, hatch um, scenario on what we're getting there on that story being developed. Um, but as far as I go, I, I wasn't a huge fan of this. I didn't feel it, it really progressed the story too much. Um, the only thing that progressed in the story to me was the hatch um, storyline. Like nothing else to me mattered as far as the main story goes. Um but but that's just me. That's my thought. Um, so it was okay. But it's just it's it's one of those episodes that it probably is one of the reasons why I just about okay. I thought things were going great. They're firing water thing. Things turned around, and then we had this, you know, whatever. And kind of like Steven said too, it. I feel like we it came, but it was it was just way late. Like this episode should have been back in season one. To me, I think they waited a whole season late to do this episode. Yeah. So. That's just my thoughts. I agree with that. Rating system. 23 rating system. So we're going to do one out of 23 mysterious jungle fevers. Um, so let's let's do it. I went with Steven first last time. So, Corey, how many mysterious jungle fevers do you give this episode? Yeah, I'm kind of just right in the center of the road here. Uh, I'm going to go 17 out of 23 mysterious jungle fevers. All right. And what about you, Steven? Well, I, I gave this one 18 out of 23. Um, thought, you know, thought overall it was a pretty good episode. Not one of the best, but but pretty good. 
All right, and I actually lowered my rating. Um, I noticed. <laughs> during, during this podcast. Um, I normally don't like crapping on things. I really don't. I just, uh, I'm going to give it 10 out of 23 Mysterious Jungle Fevers. I am um, probably the lowest I've given to date of any episode. Um, it's just, it just, it, I think the saving grace, the only reason to me it got a 10 was because of the hatch story and we got a new swan and we got a new, you know, station and, and that kind of thing. But I think for a majority of like the 60 to 75% of the episode, the Claire story flashbacks, nah. So I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, that, that's just me. That's, that, that's my thought on the episode. So uh, 10 out of 23 mysterious jungle fears. So. Hey, fair enough. You gotta, you gotta say how you feel. I mean, what, what we till you get to the Nikki and Paulo episode? I mean, I'm probably gonna be like 23 out of 23, and you guys are gonna be like two out of 23. I mean, it's probably gonna come. <laughs> I don't know. It might surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I'm interested about next week's episode because I don't really remember what happens. The Except, whole truth. That's I know the what one, the... I believe, if I'm correct, Saeed shows back up at the end. Of, of that episode and because he went and investigated Henry's story. That's right. I'm, I, I know the flashback has to do with son and, uh, and the, uh, the bald guy, right? The guy that J- she, she, yeah. Yes. So yeah, the, there's that. And then let's see, Anna Lucia goes and interrogates um, Henry Gale um, and then Ana Lucia, Saeed, and Charlie go to f- try to figure out uh, if Henry's story is is true or false. But this is the one where it's funny because son goes to son goes to Sawyer asking for a pregnancy test, and you have that whole setup <laughs> where Sawyer is messing with Jen like the whole episode um, about All being right. Addy. I, I just I think that's so funny to me. Anyways, well, sounds like it's I I sorry I kind of stole your thunder there, uh, Stephen. Jumped ahead. Uh, oh, <laughs> but okay. uh, Stephen can still like ask us for our Twitter. <laughs> but but uh, it's, it's going on the the really the ending. We are doing this uh, other section here, unanswered questions. So. Uh, I guess this this is an unanswered question. Why did the others abandon the staff, the staff station? Yeah. Uh, never, ne- never, never get an answer. I mean, I would just guess it's because Ethan died, right? And I'd assume because Ethan was going to try to let Claire go, and Claire could have gone back and told the people where it was at, and they didn't want to be found. So they just abandoned it real quick because it was a flight risk now. That's yeah, that also, be my suggestion. Location-wise, I mean, there's a lot of fan-generated maps, like, based on, like, maps you see, like, in Rousseau's map and a couple other maps where you can get some geography of the island. It seems like this is pretty far. This is much, clo- obviously, much closer to the beach camp than it is to a new, new other tin, so... Wouldn't be a very convenient spot for the others to be working out of, I, I right. would think. Uh, so that's what part of what I would say is another reason. I don't know why they had to like trash it when they left, but 
they wanted to be creepy, I guess. <laughs> it, it was, you know, if you look at kind of, you know, the maps and stuff that are made for it, it's kind of like the halfway point between the the beach camp and the and the um and the others camp. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, we never really figure out why they abandoned it, but they do choose to do so, and probably for the better because they had a creepy thing going there, and they want to maybe save save face for later on. Uh, let's go on to Sawyer's name dictionary. Uh, Sawyer calls Kate Thelma, which is uh, a reference to Thelma and Louise, as we'll uh, discuss. And our freckle count is at 11. And some pop culture connections. Pink and blue, too. Georgia O'Keeffe's 1919 painting is visible in the operating room at the staff. Uh, Catch a Falling Star, this 1957 song by Perry... Uh, Como is played when the mobile is turned on. We'll hear a lot of that song uh, mm-hmm. with Claire's story as the series continues. The brothers uh, Karamazov, am I, did I say that right? Um, no, I didn't, but uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Locke, Locke gives Henry Gale this uh, Dostoevsky novel to read. Whoa, yep. he said that that time. He nailed that name. Yeah, I just like <laughs> tried to go as fast as I could through it and like hopefully make it That's through. That's how you got to do it right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shot the gap, you know. Uh, so Gale remarks that he would prefer to read something like Stephen King, but Locke says the Hatches Library is rather out of date. Um that's too bad. And Lancelot Sawyer is reading uh, this 1977 novel by Walker Percy. And Thelma and Louise uh, Sawyer calls Kate Thelma after one of the heroines in this 1991 road movie. The movie chronicles the adventures of a passive housewife and a single waitress who become criminals on the run from the police after uh, one of them shoots a guy. Uh, scumbag guy. Good movie. Uh Muzak uh, uh, can be heard. Muzak is that how I said it? In, in the medical room of the staff. So that is it for our pop culture connections. All right. Steven, what's and, our next uh, episode? Next <laughs> next episode, we are going to be watching <laughs> the whole truth. Ah, oh, okay. I haven't heard much about that one. <laughs> Oh. We pretty much we pretty much already covered it, so you know we can probably skip ahead to the next one. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness! Well, why don't you close this out then, uh, <laughs> then, then Steven? This is between your section. All right, all right. You can follow us on Twitter at RetroZapped. You can also follow us at the Lost at Lost Rewatch Pod on Twitter, on Instagram at Previously on Lost Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com backslash previously on lost. And Mike, where can they find you on Twitter? I am on Twitter at the DC Mike. And Corey, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at original Mav. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at lucky 13 Steve. You can also join us in the RetroZap discord. Go to retrozap.com for more details. You can also check us out online at retrozap.com where there's articles, posts, podcasts, a tea public store for any of your fandom. 
Awesome. All right. Well, that is it then, I guess, for this week. So thank you all so much um, for listening. So uh, with that being said, until next time, have a safe and happy holiday season from all of us here at Previously on Lost. Don't get into me's trouble. Don't have too many people over. Wear your freaking mask. Eat lots of turkey, ham, and duck, whatever you plan on eating um, this year. Maybe. Who knows? I could be telling partial truth. (laughs) I don't know. See you next time, everybody. All right. Bye.